Joining me right now, Eleanor Cliff, Washington correspondent for The Daily Beast. She comes on every Friday. We get into all the issues, and there's certainly a lot to talk about today. Eleanor, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. So on this day, the anniversary of uh, the fall of Roe v. Wade, lots of discussion looking back on how things have changed um, in a year, and we now have 15 states that ban abortions completely. What I wanted to ask you as a journalist who's covered this issue for many years and as a woman, uh, I wanted to ask about kind of your experience looking back at the trajectory of this issue going back to, of course, uh, when Roe v. Wade Mm -hmm. um, was affirmed, was decided by the Supreme Court. And then as you saw that movement within the conservative movement and the Republican Party, and if you ever thought we'd come to this this day that happened a year ago today? Um, Well, to start at the beginning, I guess, when uh, Roe v. Wade was was passed, it was not all that controversial in the sense that you didn't have two very distinct uh, camps uh, that saw each other as enemies. You had um, the Catholic Church clearly was was opposed, but you had uh, the governor of California, who was Ronald Reagan, signed a very progressive abortion uh, rights law. Uh, New York also had uh, legislation along those lines. And um, the Southern Baptist Church even put out a statement sort of acknowledging that um, for some people, uh, ending a pregnancy was a was 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 the, was the right thing to do considering their circumstances. I don't remember exactly how it was phrased, but they basically gave a positive nod to the legislation. And there it was for some time until the um, conservative right uh, recognized that they could bring Catholics and Southern evangelicals together on the issue of opposing uh, abortion. And uh, those were uh, two powerful blocks of, of voters that were then politicized around uh, this issue. Before that, they the, the right had been campaigning against tax exemption, ending tax exemption for, um, in, in, in particular, Bob Jones University was the was the evangelical university that was getting huge tax breaks. And that came to an end actually when Gerald Ford was in the White House, but Jimmy Carter was kind of blamed for it. And when Carter uh, ran for reelection in 1980, he he, he realized that his whole base of uh, evangelical voters had drifted away or been stolen away by the Reagan camp. And that became the beginning in my mind of the partisan uh, right. uh, division on, on, on this I mean, issue. A lot of people don't know that, that Jimmy Carter was an evangelical Christian and evangelical Christians had not really been involved in politics much before that. Cause That's they right. saw that as like the devil's doing right. And he brought them in, you know, because he was an evangelical Christian. And then, then the Reagan Republicans really saw them as an organizing force. That's right. And I think in uh, 1984, uh, when Reagan ran for re-election, the Republican platform was much clearer uh, in its opposition to uh, abortion rights than it had been uh, before. And then uh, in 1994, now we're we're sprinting ahead here in terms of politics, but when um, the Republicans took the House 
for the first time in 40 years, uh, they elected a lot of women, or certainly compared to previous standards, and women who had been trained as activists in the anti-abortion movement. And before that, as a reporter uh, covering uh, these issues in Washington, there was kind of an assumption that the women who made it to the House of Representatives were generally uh, liberal on what we called women's issues, and even the Republicans, like, um, well, I can't, I can't come up with any, any of the names right, right away, but the Republicans were pro-choice. The Republican women were pro-choice. And that began to change when you had pro-choice being on the Republican side, being challenged from the right. And so, you know, it was both gradual and it was sudden that that this issue became incredibly partisan. But but what you said at the beginning of our conversation here, there was an assumption that Roe v. Wade was here to stay, that it was nailed down in, into our constitutional rights. And so Republicans could say the most outrageous things about uh, abortion rights and knowing or believing that they would never be held accountable for those statements. And Democrats were uh, nervous about shining too bright a light on the issue because they didn't want to lose more moderate voters. And they assumed, again, that Roe v. Wade was here to stay. So when Roe was overturned, I think you know, that was... Uh, that was an earthquake in both parties, and politically, it has benefited uh, the Democrats. And um, I hope it, I hope that continues into the next election. And certainly, Democrats are are doing everything they can to highlight all the problems that these um, really draconian, draconian laws about abortion have brought upon uh, women. And Republicans are trying to squirm their way out of um, the the worst impact of the. Um, of, of the road decision and politically it's 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 a problem for uh, republicans but beyond the political problems everyday women <laughs> really have to fight in some of these states to get basic health care because clinics have shut down not only because they uh, provide abortion care but when they're gone they don't provide any other kind of care either so it is it's really created a, a lot mm. of health problems in certain areas of this country I, I want to come back to what's happening now among Republicans, but I wanted to ask you, again, as a journalist covering this, and obviously as a woman, uh, did you believe that, and uh, Roe v. Wade, because you said Democrats didn't think, you know, nobody thought it would be overturned, did you think we'd ever meet that moment? And obviously, we saw it coming mm -hmm. uh, for some time. I guess my question is, at what point did you start to think, wow, this could really happen? Um, I think at the uh, confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court and Susan Collins's um, really over-the-top um, half-hour speech insisting that she had gotten private assurances from him that he would not vote to overturn Roe because he was the fifth vote. Right. Uh, but that was not enough uh, until Amy Amy Barrett got on the court. And she, being a woman, kind of gave the the male five uh, cover. And Justice Roberts tried strenuously to narrow the decision to keep it at 15 weeks and not completely uproot uh, Roe. But anyway, you could see it coming with Kavanaugh. And right. uh, I think... Um, 
Senator Collins later said uh, she used the word lie, that she was lied to. But looking at Kavanaugh's background, his religiosity, um, even the way he framed some of his responses, uh, you, 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 you could get a good sense of where, where he, he was going. And it seemed only, only to be a matter of time. Mm -hmm. And then getting the woman on the court, rushing her through in, in the wake of um, Ginsburg's, Justice Ginsburg's death, um, really, really set the stage for this court to take this uh, lurching turn to the right in in terms of just doing away with precedence, which they had all right. said they were committed to. And you could say they were all lying, or maybe we all should have known better because they were all on the lists provided by the Federalist Society, right. which was committed to fulfilling uh, Donald Trump's pledge that anybody he put on the court would vote to overturn Roe. So you're right, it was it was right there written quite plainly, right. except it still seemed unbelievable to a lot of people that oh, it yes. could happen. When, when I think back um, to the McLaughlin group and you on the McLaughlin group, right, mm -hmm. with Pat Buchanan, right? And right. if you were to say to me, okay, whose um, you know, political worldview is going to be the one that uh, you know, dominates, uh, and which one's going to shrink, um, I would have said yours would and Pat Buchanan's would shrink. Now, of course, yours has in the sense that we know where the majority of people are, but mm -hmm. Pat Buchanan's agenda has really, right. much of it has largely come into being a success, being successfully implemented. You know, Pat has often said, I didn't make it to the White House, but my issues did. And on on trade, on nationalism, on isolationism, and certainly on on the issue of abortion. Yes, uh, all of those uh, those issues made it to the White House in 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 the body of Donald Trump, who in many ways was the most unlikely carrier right. of these right. issues. I mean, he uh, he he didn't show any signs of being anti-choice when he was uh, you know gallivanting around around New York and. Uh, so there's right. that. And as a, an aggressive businessman, he didn't hold the, the views on international trade that he later ex exhibited. And uh, who would have thought that he would end up being, you know, pro-Russia pro and that, that this would be a significant element of the Republican Party as it's newly constituted by, yeah. by Donald Trump. And I guess I would put Buchanan in that camp. Yeah, well. absolutely. But of course, as I said, your views are where the majority of Americans and certainly uh, the majority of Democrats are today. And that gets to the problem that the abortion right. issue is for Republicans. And the only thing that changes it is if you can get the turnout of voters that is out there and just it just has to be mobilized. It, it, it hasn't yet happened, although we have we've saw signs that it could happen in both 2020 and 2022. And so I think I think both sides are organizing like furious <laughs> to get uh, their voters out uh, next well, year. Well, we saw Republicans initially very afraid of this and not saying anything. And that turned out to be something that was, you know, wise because Democrats did organize. And we saw the Kansas referendum and we saw, uh, you know, what happened uh, in 2022, where there was no blue, red wave and Republicans only narrowly took the House. But what's 
really extraordinary is people like Kevin McCarthy and others, they haven't been able to sort of keep it tamped down. The the extremists yeah. now want a full abortion ban uh, in the country, a federal abortion ban. Right. And the Susan B. Anthony group, you know, liberals feel like they have, you know, stolen her name and that she really wouldn't be where they think she was then and, and, and would be today. But they have been considered a kind of a moderate, big umbrella group on the right. They are really forcing the agenda further and further to the right with the with, with the apparent you know goal of really um, virtually eliminating abortions in the, in in this country. And I think Chris Christie, who recently entered the Republican race, I mean he's a pro-choice Catholic from a governed estate, which not pro-choice, he's an anti-abortion Catholic from a pro-choice state. And he seems to think that a 15-week ban, a uh, federal ban would work, but there's no way his party is going to get there or the Democrats are going to get there anytime soon. Short of that, it's the safest position for Republicans is one that they have held on a variety of issues until it, until they don't hold it, and that is to leave it up to the states. So I think that's the two positions that the candidates are going to hold, and they're going to be pushed towards the the federal abortion ban by the by the anti choice uh, groups. Right, I, well, they have the, Lin- they have the bigger Graham problem on their hands. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lindsey Graham is part of that as well. Yeah, yeah. So well, they're, they're divided, <laughs> and uh, anytime the opposition is divided, that's a good thing. Democrats are, are very united on this issue and just about every other issue. Uh, because they realize that um, their strength yeah. comes from unity. I, I, this time I was around. saying it earlier on the program. If you look at the polling on abortion, how they split by party, it's very similar to Donald Trump's indictment, where you have well over ninety percent of Democrats, you know, uh, supporting abortion rights and and disapproving of. Uh, the Supreme Court overturning it. And of course, the same thing with the indictment. But when you get to Republicans, they don't have that 90% supporting, <laughs> you know, uh, Trump no. or supporting uh, overturning Roe. And so that's the big issue. Uh, Eleanor, right. uh, it's always great to have you on. I can't believe we've come up to that time. But I'm glad you gave us a lot of the history on this, too, because I think it's real important. It's fascinating. Yeah. Thanks so much and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Eleanor Clift, Washington correspondent for The Daily Beast. Follow her on Twitter at Eleanor Clift. We're back in a couple of minutes. The, 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 Michelangelo, the Michelangelo Senior Ellie Show.